I need to know everything Who and the what and the where I need everything Trust me, I hear what you're saying But act like it's new what you're telling me I'm curious, George I hop in the Porsche Five and a horse I'm ready for war I'm Now we're ready All right. We're here We're here We're here <laughs> You try to wear glasses I'm the only one who wears glasses On this fucking podcast <laughs> My bad, my bad, my bad <laughs> Oh, that's too funny Well uh, I thought of the title for this podcast because uh, I thought it was fitting for what we're going through right now, which is growth in the business, right? Yep. Right? Uh, so I do think this is good to hit on this topic. And I'm also happy because we have Daniel here today. Thank you. Thank you. You shout out to Daniel. I appreciate that. And I'm actually, I'm, I've been looking forward to having him come on the podcast because <clears throat> I love your story, man. I love what you're about. I love where you come from. I love the humble beginnings. And that. I just love everything that you're doing, man. Thank you're, you. Thank you. You're young. You're hungry. Um, extremely talented. And um, just looking forward to watching you grow, man. Yeah. We got a still on Daniel, huh? <laughs> we got a still on did he sign a contract with us? We got to get you the fucking contract. <laughs> For real, bro. <laughs> All right, I'll give you proper instructions. So Daniel is uh, our videographer here, our social media guy, our marketing guy. He helps us with all of our posts, all of our content creation. Um, Daniel's been doing an amazing job. Um, I feel like Daniel, when he first started, didn't really know the role yet because we were still developing the brand. Um, but you've been doing a really great job so far, bro. I so appreciate that. You're wearing like 20 hats. Oh, yeah, that's true. He does yeah. web design. He does everything. Yeah, he does it all. We'll, we'll have a crazy idea for a website. I'll put it up in like three hours. Oh, definitely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The pressure's real. The pressure's real. Yeah, I bet. I bet it is. Yeah, but dude, no, we're happy that, that you're here and obviously happy that you're here with the company helping us grow the brand. Um, but I do want to give you an introduction. Um, so Daniel, funny story, the way we met Daniel was uh, one of our agents on our team named Kelly, right? Yeah, Kelly. Badass agent. He's been on the podcast. Um... He was trying to build his YouTube channel. Yep. Right. And I was going through that phase where I was showing people how to get started on YouTube and marketing and promoting your brand on YouTube, right? Through video. And uh, Daniel was the guy he brought in, right? And I was, oh, it's cool. You got somebody. I was doing all my own, all my own shooting, mm -hmm. right? But Kelly got creative and said, hey, I want to be in front of the camera when I do my property tours. And I'm like, okay, well, I can't do that because I don't have a camera guy. He brought in Daniel. And Daniel's like, oh, I'll shoot him. You know, he did the videos and. I saw the videos and I was like, ah, I want to meet Daniel and help him refine his work, right? Yeah. Um, but we brought him in and I saw how coachable Daniel was. And I'm like, fuck, this guy is somebody we should get in the team. Yeah. You know? And uh, long story short, you're here now. Yeah. So it's pretty badass. But dude, tell us where you come from because I think it was like a few weeks in mm -hmm. to our relationship where we're like, where the hell is Daniel from? <laughs> he looks Mexican, but I don't think he's Mexican. <laughs> Vaguely ethnic, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, but we're like, where the hell is he from? What's his story? And, and we, we got a, a little taste of his story when he, when he told us. And I thought it was so badass, but I'm so inspiring, right? Um, and you're still dealing with a lot of stuff right now, which is pretty cool. Well, it's not cool. It's kind of a challenge, but it's good to see that you're not giving up and you're still continuing to grow and you still come to work with a smile on your face, right? Um, but talk to us about, first of all, where are you from? who you are, how you got into the business, and uh, yeah, give us a background. Cool. Um, I'm turning 22 in April, and I've been, I was born here in Midvale, right? Uh, my mom is a Indonesian immigrant, and my father was born in Iowa. So it's like American and then Indonesian somehow, like they met together, right? Yeah. And they had me. And then somewhere along the line, you know, some stuff happened, and then I decided that I wanted to not follow like the ordinary path when it came down to like work, mm -hmm. you know, cause I was, I'm watching my friends do nine to fives and it looks terrible. Like how they're living. Oh, that'd you be know? a nightmare. Dude. Oh, absolutely. You know, I couldn't even imagine. And, uh, I was like, and I did it. I worked like, like Fernando, I worked a whole bunch of different jobs in different, mm -hmm. uh, industries. And I decided, I was like, yeah, none of this is for me. Like absolutely none of this, you know, like work until I'm 60 years old and then I can retire. And by the time I'm 60, I can't do anything. So there's no point, you know? And uh, it was weird because I had a lot of people like telling me I can't do it. I'm not yeah. going to be able to do it. I'm too young. A lot of people say I don't have enough life experience and to just try and work at Panda Express for 10 years and then decide, you know, and I was like, no, that's not the route I'm going to take. So. Is, is that like, is that like 
the way the Panda Express is serious, people wanted you to work there for that long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> is that like an Asian thing or what? Uh, a little bit. <laughs> like a little right bit, of passage. Yeah. Why Panda? <laughs> I don't know. Like all, all the all the Indonesian people I know work at Panda or oh, used to work at Panda, so I feel like that's the starting ground. I'm you not know? gonna lie though, I love chow mein and I love orange chicken. I hated making you, both. You can't even have orange chicken, bro. What are you talking <laughs> well, about? I can't anymore. But back in the day when I could, I loved it. Yeah. Now I oh, can't. Oh shit. But but before you got into obviously working and stuff mm -hmm. like that, like I mean, and and we'll go into this a little bit, little bit later. But if you could share with us a little bit about your story, because um, you were born in Midvale, mm -hmm. right? But I understand um, your father passed away when you were a little, little younger. Yeah. Actually, a lot younger, like twelve years old, right? Yeah. And, you, and your mom and you decided, hey, you know, do the high school thing for a while, and eventually move back to Indonesia. Mm -hmm. And you'd never been there. Uh, so I, I have been there, uh, but it would only be like for a month or two months at a time and it would be every other year. Uh, so I only knew what it was like from a vacation aspect, mm -hmm. not an actual living aspect, you know? Yeah. And so coming there with American money, you're able to do whatever the hell you want. You're basically like a king, you know? And so when we, when we, the whole reason we moved there was because, um, my dad was 60 years old when I was born, you know, and my mom was just in her forties. Wow. And so me being born was completely like out of the blue. They had no idea. They, they were, they got married and they were like, okay, that's it. We're not going to have kids. We're just going to live our lives. You were the best accident that ever happened. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The UVO podcast wouldn't be here without <laughs> Daniel. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Everything happens for a reason. Exactly. You know? And, um, what ended up happening was like Fernando said, uh, around when I was nine years old, we were in Indonesia and we were at a swimming pool and we were playing with my cousins. And I remember looking back to my mom and my dad arguing and my uncles were starting to gather around them. And I said uh, to my cousin, I said, what's going on, you know? And all of a sudden my mom pulls me out of the pool and I, I hear my dad and he's like, I don't want to, can I swear on this? Mm -hmm. okay. He's like, he's like, I don't want to fucking be here. He's like, what's, what's, why am I here? And he, and he's really pissed off. He's red in the face and all this stuff. And I remember my mom crying and my uncle's like getting in front of my mom saying like, if you're going to yell at someone, you're going to yell at us, you know, like we'll, we'll duke it out. Yeah. And we ended up leaving early from Indonesia. I think I was in barely about to go into sixth grade. And uh, when we got, when we got back, my dad's mental health just started deteriorating. You know, uh, we took him to the hospital after it after this one thing that happened, where he went to go to Golden Corral to eat because he would always do that every day. And it took him four hours to come home. Usually, he's there for about forty five minutes, yeah. ten minute drive back home. Four hours. My mom's praying, and she's very religious. You know, and she's praying, she's praying. She's like, Daniel, what if he's cheating on me and all this stuff? And I, he comes back, and he's like. I'm so sorry. Like I forgot where I was going. Right. And we took him to the doctor and then the doctor did MRIs, CAT scans, blood work and all that stuff. And they find out that he has Alzheimer's and then he also has dementia. And being at that point in my life, I'm nine years old. I don't know any of this stuff, you know, and uh, I was watching YouTube a lot. YouTube just started getting popular, you know, mm -hmm. really yeah. started getting popular. So I started YouTubing all this stuff, you know, I started learning about Alzheimer's and dementia and I, and part of me believed that I gave it to him that I was the reason that, that he had it. Um, because he pulled me out of school one day and he, I remember my principal calling me to the office and she goes, your dad's here and he seems extremely frustrated. And I go, oh, I'm in trouble. And so he picks me up and as he's taking me out to the car, he kind of just gives me a, a big old bear hug and he goes, I thought I lost you. Oh, crazy. Exactly. And he dropped me off in the morning. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it just started rapidly deteriorating. And there's like a, a lot of like stories, like when he almost attacked my mom and my mom locked herself in her room and he started having flashbacks because he was in Vietnam. And he just kept telling me, he's like, the Viet Cong are coming. He's like, he's like, they're in there. They're in that room. You know, he's like, I need you. And like looking into his eyes now as an adult with that memory. And I look back at that memory. I'm like, that was pure animalistic instinct. He was seeing something that he had, experienced yeah. and it was playing back in his brain um so after that my mom was working a full-time job taking care of him and me uh paying the mortgages you know paying the, the hospital bills until one point my mom just couldn't do it anymore and all of her friends here said you have to put him into a nursing home i mean you can't handle taking care of me yeah. and all of this and so i think that was like one of the hardest moments for me and my mom was leaving him there at the nursing uh, center. Oh yeah. Because he tried to fight the nurses, you know? He he tried to like fist fight him and we had to leave him. My mom was crying and I think he was there for about three months or six months around there. Then we end up, 
uh, my mom's like, okay, I'm better now. You know, I took my six month break. I can take care of my husband, you know? And so we pick up my dad and we, we go to Longhorn Steakhouse, you know, and we get him whatever he wants. And it's like, it's weird because when you're, when you're looking at someone with, with Alzheimer's, it's not like they're them anymore. You know, there's like a little bit of them there, but the main part is like they're a child, you know, they can't really do things anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, from then on, it just started getting even worse and worse until it was December of 2011. And I wanted to go to the mall with my friends. I just barely started junior high. And my mom went to the nursing home because we ended up putting them back into a different one, which was closer to us on, on Redwood. And... I called my mom and I said, hey, mom, I want to I wanna go to the mall with my friends. I want to go hang out, maybe look at some clothes. And she's just screaming at me. Daniel, Daniel, you need to come now. You need to come now. And I'm, I'm like, why? What, what's going on? What's was going he on? in the nursing home at that time? Or was, yes, oh, he, he was, was in the nursing okay. home. You need to come. You need to come. You need to come. I go, what's going on? What's going on? You know, and she goes, you need to have uh, one of your un- quote unquote uncles, one of the people that lived in our basement because we rented it out yeah. to take you over to the nursing home. I said, why? And she goes, your dad's not breathing. Your dad's not breathing. Your dad's not breathing over and over again on repeat. Oh, wow. And at that moment, it felt like time froze. It was like, and I remember just hanging up the phone in silence and going downstairs and asking someone to give me a ride. And by the time I pulled into the nursing, uh, the nursing center, he was getting wheeled out and they were using one of these uh, respirators, respirators, you know, to keep his oxygen going. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we go to the hospital. I think we're waiting there for about like an hour. My dad's ex-wife shows up. She's really part of the family, you know, yeah. and we're sitting there for about an hour. My siblings show up and the doctor comes out and he goes, there's nothing we can do. He, yeah. he passed away, yeah. you know? And, uh, I, I just remember like five days ago uh, on Christmas, what do you, what he kept saying to me and my mom, it was weird because he, uh, up until that point in time, he was so gone. He couldn't really talk anymore. But on Christmas, he kept saying, he pulled me and my mom close and he said, I love you guys. I love you guys so much. And me and my mom were shocked, you know, and my mom does this little test and she, she points at me and she goes, who is he? And my dad goes, that's our son. And my mom goes, who am I? And he goes, you're my wife. Two years prior to that, he couldn't do it. Oh, wow. He wouldn't remember. He couldn't even say my name, you know, and he goes, you guys guys felt like he was making some progress. Yeah. Yeah. But now that I look back on it, I think it was like his last goodbye. Yeah. You know, like he was saying, I love you guys, and this is this is where it's going to be, you know, and it's going to be okay. Yeah. And then, you know, just having the whole funeral just felt numb. I mean, I didn't feel like it was real, like this was actually happening to me. It was like a weird fever dream. But there was this one weird thing that happened at his uh, viewing. We had the viewing at Redwood Mortuary, so on Redwood Road, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I remember sitting there. And I, my brother's a drug addict, okay? So he's crazy. He's really weird. But he sits next to me and he starts saying some random bullshit, you know? And I'm just, like, entertaining him, you know? I'm like, okay, okay, cool. And as he's talking, I kind of, like, glance up and look at my dad's coffin. And clear as day, it looked like he sat up. Even oh, to this wow. day, I think he sat up, bro. But he's dead. So, yeah. like, it doesn't make sense. So I don't know if it was my grieving mind trying to yeah. make sense of the whole situation, you know? But... That was that was definitely that was definitely a hard part of my life. Yeah. Um, eighth grade, my mental health started declining. You know, I mean, I had to. What we didn't have a car. My dad was the one that would drive a car. My mom refused to because she got into a really bad car accident that almost killed them. And so, whenever we had to go get groceries, no matter if it was rain, snow, sh- sunshine, I I would always do it because yeah. I I didn't want to take my mom along because she's she's old. You yeah, know? She, I'm young. I I can handle it. Yeah, and so. I remember like just going through walking like 30 minutes to Walmart or Target to grab the groceries in the snow. And then on my way back, you know, there's these, these kids, they would ride their bikes. And every time I would go through, they'd always fuck with me yeah. always, you know? And they would always be like, Hey, Hey faggot, you know, like, Hey nerd, like, why are you walking through here? We're BMXing here, you know? <laughs> and I'm like way smaller than them. Cause they're high school, yeah. you know, and I'm in eighth grade, you know, I can, I'm super nerdy, so I couldn't fight, you yeah. know? And so I would just take it. I mean, they would occasionally beat the shit out of me and I would just pick up my shit and go and yeah. come back to my mom. And my mom would say, what, what happened? I'd be like, oh, I, I fell yeah. because I didn't want her to know. Yep. And that was, and, and I, I dealt with that and that's, that's okay. And I got my first job at that time as well. And I was doing a, I was a bus boy. 
Okay. You know, and so uh, first job was amazing. You know, it was paid under the table. Yeah. Uh, it was really demanding. My my first boss was very mean. But <laughs> That's what I did. My first job was a busboy, like, like the first real job. Right? Oh, yeah? <laughs> Same thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. And uh, it's a good job yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> for, for a 13, 14 year old kid. It's exactly. A good job. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the money was huge to me at that yeah. age. So, so I did that and I learned a lot through working there and ended up moving up to becoming a dishwasher, which got paid more. And then I got moved up to being a sous chef, which was really fun because I worked in a Japanese restaurant. So I was able to make like teppanyaki and all that stuff. And uh, at that point in time, tragedy struck again and we went to Walmart with my mom, me and my friend Spencer, and we wanted to go dick around at the video game section, the toy section, you know, yeah. and just mess around while my mom did her shopping so we didn't bother her. And so we're messing around there, and usually it takes like 10 minutes and my mom will meet up with us and then we'll go. 10 minutes turns into 15 minutes, 20, 30, one hour, one hour, 30 minutes. We're starting to question it. Yeah. What's going on? Where is she, you know? And start calling her phone, no answer. So we start just going around Walmart looking for her and I'm starting to get panicked, you know, until we go all the way into the front where we first came in and she's standing there dazed. She looks absolutely confused on what's going on. And I go, mom, what's going on? And she goes, aren't you supposed to be in school? But I came here with you. Yeah. You know, I came here with you like an hour and 30 minutes ago. Thoughts started racing through my head at that point. Not again. Yeah. I already went through this. I'm going to lose both of my parents in the span of three years. Yeah. Are you kidding me? You know, that's when I, I argued with my mom and I told her, no, we're going to Intermountain right now. I don't care if the insurance can handle it or not, but I need to make sure that you're okay. Luckily I did that because if I didn't do that, we would have never known that she has a tumor on her brainstem. Oh, wow. Her, her spine, if you look through the CAT scan, it's like a 90 degree angle. Oh, wow. It grows just a little bit more and she'll die. Wow. Is it, is it malignant? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's not cancerous or anything? Oh, that's good. That's good. So they think it was due to stress. Like all her stressing caused yeah. the tumor, you know. And uh, I'm glad we caught it. But at the same time, it's like, you know, I, I kind of wish I didn't know about it. Yeah. Um, but at that point in time, I started kicking it, uh, kicking it into gear. You know, I started making more money through being a sous chef. Uh, I started taking my, my generals at the community college for medical terminology uh, to get my CNA so then I could become a nurse and then move my way up to become a doctor because my mom wanted to be a doctor, but she gave up on her dreams to make, to have a family. Yeah. So I was like, the least I can do is continue those dreams, you know? And so I was, I was, I was battling, uh, juggling high school, college at work and friends and relationships. And for the first like six months, it was fine, you know, but then I started getting information overload. You know, I, I would fall asleep in high school. Yeah. My teachers would yell at me. I'd fall asleep in college. My, my professor would tell me, get the, get the fuck out. You know, like, yeah. don't, don't sleep here. So I'm like, all right. So I started sloughing high school. Stop. I stopped caring about high school. And I would just go to my college classes and I would just go to work and then hang out with my friends. And that was pretty much it. I ended up paying the groceries for my mom. I ended up helping pay half of the mortgage for our house. Um, I even like helped find renters for our basement and renovate the basement too, to help her. But then I started thinking more about her tumor and how at any point in time I could wake up in the morning and she could be gone. And I remember that she has no family here at all. You know, the only family she had was my dad and me. And so I decided at that point in time that I wanted to have her be in her home country for her, the last years of her life with the, with the people she cares about. And so I told her, I was like, okay, let's, let's, let's move back to Indonesia so you can be with your family and your friends. And she was like in awe. She's like, why, why would you do that? I mean, you, you were raised here, you know? And I said, well, because I love you and I don't know how much longer you have here. And I'm like, so let's do it and let's have the rest of your life happy. I don't want you working till you're 60. Right. Yeah. And so we moved to Indonesia and we sold our house. I think we had like $30,000 that we had from our house to keep in our pockets, right? And then I had my dad's pension because he was in the military. So that was like 1400 a month until I turned 18. And at the beginning, it was nice, super nice. I had a lot of money, a lot of money. And uh, Indonesia, huh? <laughs> yeah, dude. This is like, what, seven, eight years ago? Yeah, uh, yeah. Like, like, like five years five ago. Five years actually. ago, wow, yeah. super recent. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, everyone was kissing my ass and it felt good because I've never had that before. Yeah. You know, I, I when I moved to Indonesia, I created a new persona for myself. Here I was that nerdy glasses kid, you know. But when I moved to Indonesia, I was like, I was that cool kid, you know, like I listen to rap music, you know, I smoke I smoke the devil's lettuce, you know, and all that stuff, right? <laughs> <Devil's lettuce. laughs> that's so lame. Is that what they call it? <laughs> no, nah, bro, that's what I call it. <laughs> but um but yeah, and uh but once the money ran dry, we got we ended up getting kicked out of our own house. Yeah. I mean, my mom paid for my grandma's house and we ended up getting kicked out of it. And uh, at that point in time, once we were out of the money, because we, we put all the money into investing in our family by helping them pay for their, they wanted to be lawyers, so we paid for their colleges, you know. They needed new clothes, we paid for their clothes. They needed food, we paid for the food, bills, everything. We paid for everything. And once the money ran dry, they kicked us out. Wow. We had the equivalent of $7 in our pocket. And I remember riding the public transportation and it was hot, sweaty, terrible. People were close up to each other, you know. And we got off and my mom was like, oh, I want to, uh, let's go get some cigarettes, you know. I said, okay, let's go. And we went and cigarettes are dirt cheap in Indonesia. It's just like a dollar you can get, like a one US dollar you can get a pack of cigarettes, you know. No shit. Yeah. And so we're like, okay, we want a pack of these cigarettes. And the guy's like, okay, that'll be this much money. And my mom's going through her purse and she's like, Daniel, I can't find the money. And I was like, you can't find the money. That's the only money we have. What are we going to do without that money? Yeah. Right. And we ended up finding it and it was, it was huge, like weight off of my shoulder. Right. And at that point in time, I started looking, okay, let's start looking for jobs. Mom can't work here because Indonesia, they don't, they don't employ old people. Yeah. It's just a thing. So I started doing acting. I did a commercial for this thing called Kopi Good Day, which is like a coffee advertisement. And I did this TV show called Manuja Sirigala, which is uh, like Indonesia's version of like Twilight or Teen Wolf. And I was a vampire, you know. So, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so my nickname here at UVO is uh, Twilight. So, <laughs> so that, that, was, that was really fun. Um, and then after that, I kind of realized that Indonesian show business wasn't my thing. I kind of like idolized American Hollywood and advertisements because it's way different, you know. And so I stopped that and I ended up getting a job at this company called Forestry. And it's, uh, they turned a indoor soccer field into a restaurant. So it's a massive restaurant. And I, I walked in there for the interview and this guy just started speaking fluent English, like absolutely fluent English. And he has a New Zealand accent. I'm like, oh, this is really cool. Like I can, I can vibe with this guy, yeah. you know? And he's like, he's like, oh, I'm so glad I get to have a white boy, a white boy work for me. And I was like, what, what does that mean? What does a white boy working for you mean? And he's like, he's like, take a look around at everyone around you. He's like, they're all Indonesian. And I was like, well, I'm Indonesian too. And he's like, but you're white. It's different, you know? And I was like, okay. And he's like, I want you to do the marketing for us. And then I want you to be a waiter. So I was like, he's like, half the day you'll be a waiter. The other half of the day you'll do the marketing. So I built multiple websites for their different restaurants because they actually own multiple different types of restaurants, right? So I did their marketing, uh, their socials. I collaborated with their other marketing team, you know, and, and ended up becoming really good friends with them. And that's when I pitched like this dumb idea to him. And I was like, hey, I was like, what if I wore my rinky dinky Spider-Man costume to the restaurant and kind of like promote the restaurant as Spider-Man? And it could be a really good marketing tactic because one, I'm white and two, it's Spider-Man. And Spider-Man likes healthy stuff. He has to be fit, right? Mm -hmm. And he's like, yeah, bring your costume. Except the costume was like this really crappy costume. You know, you would get it like a Halloween store. <laughs> and I was like, no, dude, I'm just kidding. And he's like, okay. He's like, he's like, find a costume right now and I'll buy it. He's like, make it custom fitted for you. I don't want nothing but the best. So we ended up finding one. And like a week later, he tells me to come to the, the restaurant and go to the office. So I go to the office and he opens up this huge box and he goes, put it on. I put on, I suit up the, the whole suit and I actually have a clip I can, I can put right here. Okay. And I put on the suit. And I remember that immense, like, confidence boost, dude. Like, I felt like I was actually Spider-Man, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I felt like I was actually Spider-Man. Hey, you still have that costume? Yeah, I do. Bring that shit to work. <laughs> I will, I will. Bring that shit to work. <laughs> well, right, 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 at, right in time, because we're about to start filming here in, what, like a month, roughly? Oh, yeah. So we're about to start filming for our, our little reality pilot, show. Uh -huh. our reality show here. And um, we're ready. Make sure you have your, <laughs> sure. your outfit, your Spider-Man outfit. It will be golden. Oh, no, that'd be sure. so dope, dude. <laughs> I'm down. And uh, so, Wait, were you that guy in the the that 
I don't know. Is the Asian uh, clip that Spider Man did a backflip land on his head? Is that you? No, I wish okay. it was. In <laughs> <laughs> my misery. Now I'm just have kidding. You, have you seen that video? There's a bunch of them. I, I think I have. I think I've seen that one. Uh, everyone tags me and stuff like that whenever they come across Spider Man. They're always like, hey, it's you. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I get it. <laughs> but um, yeah, and then it just started. And like, at first, it was like trying to get out of my comfort zone as Spider Man um, because I've never really done something in public like that before. And so I just walk out and kind of like it hey, was um, I'm Spider Man. But then, Where, it's, where'd you wear the costume? Not in public, in, in the bedroom or what? <laughs> yeah, I have a Spider Man fetish. <laughs> no, but uh, what 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 ended up happening was I told him uh, I came across this Instagram video and it was a compilation of of Tom Holland Spider Man doing like really cool like stuff uh, from his movies, and then they put this old school Spider Man song onto it from the cartoons that I used to watch. And I was like, bro, I I vibe with this heavy. Put this song on next time you want me to be Spider-Man. I'll do something crazy. I, I guarantee it. The music will pump me up. And they said, okay. As I'm suiting up, I hear the music playing. And I'm like, oh, it's go time. It's, it's, <laughs> Show time. It's, it's Spider-Man time, you know? <laughs> and uh, once the music uh, came up, I sneaked uh, in front of the, they had this counter in the front of the restaurant. I snuck behind it. And we had this huge uh, Volkswagen van that we served coffee out of. And I climbed up the top of the ladder and I jumped and I did the whole, the whole Spider-Man pose on top of the car. And everyone's kind of like, what the hell is going on? You know, like, <laughs> this is weird. This is a restaurant we're trying to eat, you know. And then the music, like, the horns kicked up. And I stood up. And my friend my friend looks at me and he's doing, like, take off your mask. Take off your mask. And I'm like, okay, I'm ready this time, you know. <laughs> and so I take off my mask and instantly waves of phones. Everyone whips out their phones and they're just taking pictures. They're coming up to me. Sir, can I take a photo with you? Can I take a video with you? These little kids are like, are you the real Spider-Man? You know? <laughs> Because you're white. Yeah, white? yeah, that's because I was white. And I had the haircut, too. There you know? You so people thought I was actually Spider-Man. So that gave me a huge ego boost. Oh, I can only imagine. Yeah. I mean, I'm living, I'm, I'm like my childhood superhero, bro. Yep. And these people believe it. <laughs> At least the kids do, you know? Yeah. So that was really good. And that was making uh, that was making some good money. And I, what I, just like my entire life has been, is I always just give that to my mom, you know? Because when I worked there, they would just give me free food to eat there and they, and they would always give me like free cigarettes at the time I used to smoke cigarettes and they would give me free cigarettes and then all the money that I would take home. Good money there is $300 a month, by the way. That's how wow. much I would take away. Wait, wait, how old were you at that time? <clears throat> at that time I was 17. They were just handing you cigarettes like, here you go. Yeah. I mean, uh, there was nine year olds smoking cigarettes on the street. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that was their culture there. <laughs> Same in my country too. Uh, you can be five, 10, doesn't matter. Here exactly. You go. It's weird. I don't get it. Neither do I. And and it's funny because here we, we don't really have cigarette ads, right? We have the, um, like, you know, they take their tooth out and, and they put the tooth, the money, and they're like, okay, now you can have the cigarettes as an ad. Yeah. In Indonesia, they'll be, like, kayaking in this beautiful mountain, and then they'll be like, <laughs> you want a cigarette? And then the, the logo of the company pops up, and then that's how they advertise their cigarettes. Shit. That's pretty pretty good marketing, though. You got to Yeah. I, it's like, if I smoke this, will I, will I be kayaking in the mountains? You know? Will I be cool? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's how they get you. But, um... Yeah, and then I became really good friends with the owners, and uh, especially because they spent most of their—they're Indonesian, but they spent most of their lives in New Zealand, you know. So they—they're kind of like outsiders like me. And uh, that's when they told me they were opening up a new branch in Jakarta, which is kind of like New York in Indonesia. Yeah. And they said they wanted me to own it, right? Like like sweat equity, like you—you've been yeah. talking about, you know. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, I was like, but the money I make, I can't just put that into like rent, my mom needs to pay a mortgage and she needs to eat. And they're like, you will, we'll, we'll pay for your, uh, where you're going to stay and all that, all your food and all that stuff. And you're going to still make the money that you made before. And you can give that to your mom. So I ended up, I ended up doing that and I started hustling, you know, uh, started talking to other investors. Uh, a lot of Arabs over there were business people, a lot of Chinese people there too. I started like uh, networking with those guys, you know, uh, cause I had no idea I was going to come back here, you know? I thought that there was no way in hell that I was going to make enough money in the short uh, period amount of time that I had my passport to come back. And uh, that's when all of a sudden, like, I'm, I wake up to my friend saying, hey, you want to, you still want to come back here? I was like, absolutely. Yeah. Why? And he goes, I bought you a ticket. To the U.S. To the U.S. To drop the restaurant owner dream. Yep. Yeah. And come back to the U.S. Yep. But just you. Just me. Just you. I, I, I couldn't take my mom because her green card expired. And so I knew that if I go first and I lay the foundation again, 
that in a, a couple of years when I bring her back, it'll be way better than when we left. Yeah. You know, at, at 17, 17. Yeah. <laughs> you imagine that hustle hustler. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was a, uh, it was, it was very scary. But I was like, I knew the risk of staying there was a lot higher than it would be coming here. Yeah, you know, and I knew that with everything I learned uh, about entrepreneurism from them, like seeing it, I knew that I was not meant to be a follower. I was meant to be a leader, not a boss, but a leader. You know, there's a, there's a huge difference mm-hmm. between the two, and. With everything they taught me, I was like, I'm going to do something similar, whether it's a restaurant or something, and take their tactics and build it out here in the States where the cash flow is a lot higher and the rewards way better. Yeah. And uh, when I came back here, uh, I, was, I was homeless. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> it's easy to have a dream, but in reality, it's not that easy. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I ended up living with uh, one of the people that used to rent with us, you know, and then we ended up having bad blood in like couple months in and so I ended up moving and, and I bought this car from my friend and it was with the only money I had to my name it was like $1,500 it was an Acura RSX I bought it and he's like he's like I was like what is that knock and I, I don't know cars that well you know and I was like what is that knocking whenever I hit 45 miles per hour and he's like oh it's nothing it's nothing so I buy it in cash I, I'm like here's all my money I want the car he sells me his car I take it to the mechanic and the mechanic's like that's gonna be a new engine yeah. you're gonna need a new engine for that that's a rod knock I was like, how much is a new engine? He's like, same price you paid for the car. <laughs> so I was screwed. You got hustled. Yeah, yeah. I was screwed out of my own car, uh, out of that car. And uh, I had to live in it. So I lived in that for a little bit. Ended up moving in with my friend Spencer that brought me back here, you know. And uh, got back together with my high school sweetheart. You know, we were on and off for a, a long time. The last time we broke up before we got back together was when I moved. Because I, was, I said long distance relationships yeah. just won't work out. That'll be tough, know? man. Exactly. Yeah. I'm surprised my mom and dad did it, you know. And we got back together, and a little bit after that, she got pregnant. Yeah. So Same. you're 20 years old at that time. When she got pregnant, I was 19, and she was 18. Nice. Imagine yeah. that. Be imagine being 19 in another country, not having any family or any friends or anybody that you know, and on top of that, you have a baby on the way. Yeah. Like, I have a baby on the way right now. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, my God, I got to go do this. I got to go do that. I can only imagine being 18, 19. Oh. Like, shit, dude. Yeah, it, it was hard. And I'm not going to lie to you. Like, when, when a little bit, like, it was, like, December-ish time. I was still drinking, partying with my friends while she was pregnant, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's when I got, like, a reality check, you know. And I was like, what the fuck am I doing? You know, I, I'm about to have a kid, and... I'm acting this way because my mom's not here to kind of like watch over me. Yeah. I'm like, that's ridiculous. That's not who I am. You know, of course I like drinking, but I'm also going to love this child unconditionally and I have to pick one. I start getting my dream back to becoming an entrepreneur and making that money and putting it away and building a future for myself. Or I can continue to be uh, partying and continue to be a bum, hanging out with bummy people um. that don't, that are not going to go anywhere in five years, you know, and that's where it switched. And uh, I started just picking up any job I could here, UPS, Panda Express, you know, 1-800-CONTACTS, just to make money to put away, you know. And then once that time, uh, once uh, I started working at 1-800-CONTACTS, and I think it was like two months into it, I was like, yeah, I can't work at call center, bro. I can't. These people are mean. They're mm-hmm. mean people, you know. And uh, my friend Mate uh, hits me up and he goes, why don't you try doing DoorDash? And I was like, how much does DoorDash make uh, an hour? And he's like, it's not hourly. It's per order. And I was like, yeah. how much do you make on average? He goes, $175 like, dollars a day. $175 a day to me was huge. Yeah. You know, yeah. just to drive around, pick someone's food up and drop it off. That's easy. Oh, yeah. You can be an idiot and do that, you know? So I ended up doing it, but I pushed myself. I worked every single day of the month, weekends included. Sometimes I'd work till three in the morning just to make $300. And, and I started um, pulling up the miles on my car, you know? And, uh, I, and then I met with one of my, uh, friends, aunts and she's a real estate agent. Um, and she, she was talking to me and it was really weird because, uh, when I was there, uh, my friend was smoking weed and he's like, here, you want to hit? And I was like, no, I don't want to, I don't want to hit you're with adults, dude. This is weird. You know, like <laughs> these guys are in their forties, you know, like they're not going to get mad at us. He's like, no, come on, just have it. So, so I ended up getting high with them. And she's talking to me and she's like, I saw your videos on YouTube that you used to make. 
And I was like, oh, yeah. And she's like, these are really good. Have you ever thought about like recording houses? And I was like, no, I never thought about it. And she's like, well, you should. And I was like, well, I don't have any gear. And she's like, that's okay. And uh, like a couple days later, she ends up calling me. And she's like, I bought you a laptop and I bought you a camera. You're going to start working for us now. And I was like, what? And she's like, yeah, yeah. And so I ended up like starting doing videos, yeah. you know, and, and at the beginning it was Rocky, bro. <laughs> Dale filmed one video and then I got him. <laughs> <laughs> Laptop and all. <laughs> How many videos did you do really though? Cause huh? you, you didn't do it for very long right before we, before we found you. No, I, I didn't do a lot specifically because the person that she was with, uh, he, he couldn't pay me. So she was paying me out of her commission cause she felt bad that I was doing DoorDash and I had no time to spend with my family. So she would pay me like 2000 and then whatever I couldn't, uh, whatever I needed, I would just dash for, you know? And so I think like in total, I probably did like 20 videos for them. And yeah. and they weren't like the highest quality videos. I mean, I look back on it and I'm like, ah, yikes. I can't believe I made that, you know? But um, I think the biggest thing that changed me was when I was doing the videos for Kelly mm -hmm. and I and I personally looked at the quality and I was like, what what is this? I was like, what is this quality? You know, like looking at the color and the, the lighting and... Honestly, I thought the exact same thing Yeah. when I watched that first video from Kelly. Because I think he mentioned, you know, to, to put the UVO logo on there. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, uh, eh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Kelly, get this guy out of here. Yeah. And then he like, he, he like told me about you guys and how you're like, I can't remember the words he's saying, but I'm going to put it in like a mean way. You know, it's like, uh, you, you need to get better at it, you know, in order for this to be like uploaded. And I, I didn't take that as like a, oh, fuck me. Like, I'm, I'm terrible. I took it as, I need to get better to get these guys to work with me. And that, and that night, I ended up like, I borrowed the camera from you. Yeah. And I looked up on like tutorials on this video, on, on the Sony. And I just like, how to adjust the light balance, how to adjust the shutter speed, you know? And then I reached out to the agent I used to work with, Megan. And I was like, do you have any listings I could practice in? And she's like, yeah, I have a listing. I practice in it. Then I came back and I was so proud to show you. I remember, I was like, Fernando. I made this. <laughs> I was like, this is beautiful. This is way, way like better than compared uh -huh. to what I did before, yeah. you know? And, uh, the, the greatest, very vivid, uh, very vivid. I was at cut Bob getting food for myself. Just barely finished door dashing. It was probably like seven o'clock at night. And I get a phone call from Fernando and I'm like, Hey, what's up? And he's like, you still delivering pizza? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, no, no, no. I was like, well, occasionally I'll deliver pizza. I was like, why? What's up? And he's like, I want you to come to the office at nine in the morning and, and talk with us. And I was like, absolutely. I hang up the phone. I'm like, oh yeah. Like uh -huh. I did it, you know? And uh, that next Monday I come in and for now I was like, oh man, I forgot about <laughs> <Yeah>. this. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing here, bro? <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, I was hungry. I mean, obviously I came on Monday, yeah. you know, and it was, it, was, it was great. And I can't imagine myself being anywhere else. I mean, I love this place. I line myself with your ideals and where you guys want to be is where I want to be, you know? Yeah. So yeah. it's a blessing. Yeah. No, dude, your story is fucking crazy, man. Like, I can't even imagine going through that bullshit. I still, I mean, luckily I still have my parents, you know, my dad's in Mexico right now, but, you know, I still have both my parents. They're both healthy and, I mean, happy and yeah. good lives, you know, and, and I just can't imagine, like, you know, you being so young and you know losing your dad and having your mom deal with these issues and it's it's tough man yeah it's tough but i i know that and i talked about this in the podcast before it's like it makes you stronger oh, you yeah, know what definitely. i mean and uh you know i'd like to think you're extremely mature for your age you know even though you put stupid shit in some videos sometimes <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah but, but but he's really good at his job you know and i'm actually happy that you learned you know a, a lot of the stuff from the previous employer that you had and also the people in indonesia who mm -hmm. gave the opportunity to do marketing because i felt like you don't, you don't have a degree you don't have any formal training right but you taught yourself how to do it because you you wanted and you needed to in order to make some money um and those are the kind of people we want to work with right because we've talked to Dude, when we were hiring videographers, we were interviewing left and right. Like, I don't remember a ton of videographers yeah. coming in here. And they would talk to me about how they charge. And I'm just like, come on, guys. Like, I know what you do. You get a camera, you press record, you edit the video. I can help direct. You know, it's not a big deal. But everyone was, like, valuing their education to such, such a high level. One guy was even like, uh, oh, man, I charge, uh, what do you say? I think it was like a $100 a minute. And I'm like, bro, I'm not filming like a movie. Like we're shooting like three minute videos, 30, 30 minute when we do the long ones, 30 minute house tours, you know, for my channel. And I'm like, I'm not going to pay you fucking that much money. Like get the fuck out of here. 30 grand, like a fucking video, like get the hell out of here. Or what is that? 3000 for 
a, a house tour video like get the fuck That's out ridiculous. of here you know? yeah. so after that i'm like okay we can't we can't hire somebody who has a company we can't hire somebody who's thinks that their work is the best we got to find somebody who understands right and who needs a little work and we can coach them mentor them and kind of shape them right and provide all the equipment that's one thing that we we're offering that you know these other guys didn't see is that they didn't have to use their equipment that we have ours right um but no you came in super educated like you know i would never i would never guess that you didn't know what the hell you were doing when you started because you knew all about the the equipment you know the stuff that we needed you helped us build up our inventory and, and stuff and when you got when you were like dude i can do websites you know i can do graphic design i'm just like holy fuck like I've worked with guys in the past who have degrees, right? Mm -hmm. And they're not even as good as and as you are. And and they're trained college degrees in graphic design and Adobe and Premiere Pro and stuff like that. And I'm like, what the fuck are these guys learning in school? Like they're not at the level Daniel's in, you know. But that yeah. just goes to show you how hungry he was. Yeah, self-taught. You can go a lot further than you know, just listening to your your tutor at school or your, your teacher at school. You know, well, people yeah. get so caught up in their degrees. Like, hey, look at me, I have my degree. Well, fuck your degree, you know. Yeah, experience over that any day. Yeah, yeah. But no, dude, we're, we're pumped to have you. And 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 you know, the title for this episode obviously is "Growing Pains," and I'm happy you shared your story because goddamn, that's a fucking ton of growing pains, right? You're growing up and you're dealing with all that bullshit. Um, but you know, when we're talking about business, like. Daniel's here with us along for the ride. He's seeing what we're going through, you know, every day. He's yep. here more than most people. He's been leaving early, which is like, you fucker, stop leaving so early. <laughs> <laughs> my bad, my bad. <laughs> but, but, I'm, uh, but uh, you know, I'm referring to your work ethic because when you're here, you're working and you're, and you're executing, yeah. right? Um, but, you know, we're talking about growing pains. Like, we're going through a lot right now. Yeah. You know, we're transitioning into the next level, next stage in our business. With e It's either a brokerage right which i'm 99 percent sure it's going to happen um but there's like a transition phase we have to get to before there um and we're dealing with that now and having some growing pains with the company that we're with um which is whatever you know but uh that's typical in business yeah you know and, and i feel like in order to get through that you have to have a mindset like daniel you know go through a lot of bullshit keep going right go through a lot of pains and and challenges, wherever it's in your personal life or your business, you just have to find the will and the strength to keep going, right? You just got to keep pushing. Yeah. You know, you're going to have to eat shit for a long time, like Alan always says. Yeah. You eat shit, you eat shit, you eat shit. But what sets you uh, different from the, the rest of the fish in the sea is you're not going to stop. And mm -hmm. you're going to keep going until you get what you want. Mm -hmm. So, And that's what UVO is all about. And that's why I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. There's a lot of plans that we have coming up. I feel like. We have a lot coming yeah. up. I feel like some of our stuff's been not really pushed back, but it's just getting harder to get to that next step, you know? Um, but we, we can't let it, uh, we can't let it like stifle, 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 stagnate. So we just can't let it fuck up our progress. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and so that's why, again, the whole brokerage thing is a bit of a challenge. We're trying to find the right broker, not just anybody um, who aligns with our brand. Right. Who understands where we're at in, in our business. Um, but that's a challenge, you know, and we're interviewing right now, which is awesome. Um, Alan put a story out today, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Immediately started getting people hitting them up. Like, yeah, we got, <laughs> we got people tomorrow lined up that want to meet. It's so funny what this guy was a couple of years ago on social media. Like I wasn't on social media, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's, it, it's so cool. And like Mike Burns said in, in one of the podcasts, he's like, it's so, it's so dope how social media right now today is like, you can reach such a, a large audience, you know, so quickly and you were never never able to do that in the past. You know, you had to pay money for that, right? And and now it's like you just do a post and, and you get a response instantly. Like quickly, instantly. Instantly, yeah. yeah. This is the greatest tool for marketing, honestly. Oh, dude. I love it, yeah. man. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. Um, but I'm happy you're utilizing that in this way because we really need to start pushing yeah, it's that time. out there. It's time, yeah. We have a yeah. team currently. UVO is currently a team within a brokerage. And uh, the time has come where it's time to open up our own brokerage, uh, UVO Group, the brokerage. Yeah, yeah. So if you're if you are a good fit, if you're a broker, um, and you want to be along for the ride, uh, we have a lot in the works right now, and uh, we're not going to stop. Um, reach out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, no, that's good. But you know, when we talk about growing pains in a business. Like, obviously, everybody experiences that shit, especially when they're trying to move their business forward and and hit goals that not a lot of people do. And and with us, it's like the first year. You know, we're already there, and that was a goal that you and I set. And we're a month behind right now, which is unacceptable, yep. <laughs> right? Yeah. That's why I feel like it's like painful because we're like, fuck, man, we're usually, we're always hitting them. And it's like, okay, we're a month behind. 
something needs to happen, you know? And so I'm happy you're putting it out there, you know, to the universe and to social media and everything that we're, we're looking. Um, but that's something that we have to do, you know, immediately. Um, but going back to your parents, like, dude, like, especially your mom, I mean, right now she's in Indonesia. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. She is. Yeah. And so you're, you're helping her still. Yeah. Um, I actually have a appointment on the 22nd with Preta. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, so I recommended an immigration attorney my mom used in the past. Okay. Like 15 years ago. So I'm happy they're still in business because mm-hmm. this lady is a fucking boss, bro. Right. So she's going to help you with all the paperwork and everything yep. to help get her over. Nice. So what do you need to do to get your mom here? Uh, we what, need to, what, it, what is it going to take? It's a lot of filing uh, papers. Um, they're going to do a background check on me. They're going to look at how much I make uh, with tax returns and all that stuff. And I think it's going to be like a total of like 5000 maybe $6,000. And that's just the lawyer fees and the, mm-hmm. the filing. Um, not including like the tickets and all that stuff. But yeah. honestly, like I've been, this has been a long time coming. I really want to see my mom. Yeah. So, yeah. And, yeah. We're, and we're going to make sure that happens. Yeah. We're going to make sure to get your mom here. I'm, tr- oh, yeah. I'm trying to get Alan to come with us to Indonesia. Oh, I'm, <laughs> you I'm gotta in. come. I'm man. down. It's gonna be Sessie so fun. will cut your balls off. <laughs> Just do it maybe like a month after the baby comes, then we'll go. Okay, you guys wanted to go the week after my baby's due. <laughs> I'm really? down, dude. I, I mean, I, like, I, I really want you guys to come one because it's a really beautiful country. It really is. Um, we'll avoid all the other stuff. No, but, uh, I want to go to the <laughs> No, we won't. No, we what won't. What are you talking about? Avoid the other stuff. No, I'm just kidding. But, we're, on, uh, we're on vacation. Yeah, so I'll, I'll show you everything about Indonesia, you know, the pros and the cons. And then I want to invite you and network you guys with my friends over there. I don't know if it could turn out to be anything, but it's just good to just have those connections, yeah, you know. Yeah. So. Talk to me about your acting career. Because <laughs> you told me a story that was pretty funny. You're like, yeah, I stopped doing it because my, my agent like came on to me or something. <laughs> what oh, he yeah. Tried, I know about tr- that. He tried yeah. to trick you into a bedroom by, by, by yourself. Ooh, yeah. Dan, yo. <laughs> so, um, yeah, his name was, uh, I think it was Tofik. Tofik, uh, Tofik 7 Management. And um, in, in, in Indonesia, a lot of those managers are gay, which I have no problem with gay people or, or any of that stuff at all. But at the time... He's like, hey, he's like, do you want to go on a, on a trip to Bali? And I was like, fuck yeah, I want to go on a trip to Bali. And he's like, I'll pay for the hotel. I'll pay for the food. And I was like, a free trip by myself? Hell yeah. Sign me up. Yeah, exactly. And then he goes, and I, I can get you a role in this movie. And I was like, oh, dude, now you're talking. Keeps you know? getting better exactly. and better. Exactly, keeps getting better and better. And then he goes, under one condition. And I'm Uh-oh. like, what, what's the condition? Uh-oh. He goes, you and me together in Bali, you know. And he, and he wouldn't say it. He wouldn't say it, but he was like, you know, you know, just you and me. And I remember just going, you and me, you and me. <laughs> so naive. <laughs> You're like, you yeah, and me <laughs> only? Wow, really? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And then it started running through my head, and I was like, oh, you're, you're gay. And I was like, but that's not a problem with me, but I'm not gay, and uh, I'm going to have to take a hard pass on that. <laughs> <laughs> taking that flight. I don't know. Like, hey, we're not gonna be doing anything. I, I look back on it and I'm like, damn, should've, I, I should have just taken it. You, you know, got that role, bro. <laughs> All day. Harvey Weinstein in Indonesia. <laughs> exactly, exactly, dude. It's crazy. The oh, Indonesia shit. undercover, you know. Yeah. Oh my god, bro, that's too funny, man. That's fucking crazy. Bali must be beautiful. though. you've been there, right? Yeah, Bali's uh, Bali's extremely uh, beautiful, but it's uh, overrated. There's other islands like Raja Ampat, Komodo Island that are extremely, extremely beautiful. I mean, Bali, com- it fails to compare to those. You know, the water over in those areas are so blue and clear. And when you go to Bali, you have a whole bunch of tourists. And then the people that live in Bali, they're making everything super expensive. And you can't really haggle down with them on that. So yeah. let's do this. I want to get into your mind a little bit because yeah. you are a lot younger than us, mm-hmm. right? You're like a decade younger than both of us. And so... um you grew up at a, I feel like when the internet came out and computers were accessible for everybody in schools. And I remember being like in uh, the fourth and fifth grade and going to computer lab was like insane. Like, holy yeah. shit, computers, you know, and I'm not that old, but fuck, that's how it felt. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I grew up, I feel like uh, while technology was getting to the point where it is now, which is probably the last 10 years, yeah. I was already out of school, out of my training phase, mm-hmm. right, out of that whole thing. Mm-hmm. I know. Hold on. We'll get to it. I can see your face. Hold on. <laughs> but, but. What I do? Hold on. I, I, I can read your mind. But look, but, but you s- were born in that era when all the technology lately, the marketing, the social media, right, uh, just everything online is like, like being jammed in your throat as a kid. 
Oh yeah. Right. And like yeah. it's in your face. Like you're talking about being nine years old and YouTube was like blowing up. Mm. Right. And so, and so you grew up in that era where kids are so used to that type of marketing and advertising. They don't even know that's what they're doing. Right. So for, for, for you, the question I have for you is being how old you are now, how do you see, like, especially with our business, right? How do you see, um, marketing today with no money, right? Because you are somebody who learned on your own. And if you had your own business by yourself, you could be doing all these things without having to pay anybody to do it. How do you see marketing today? How can it be used for entrepreneurs, young people who, who don't know anything about marketing, but they have the same access as everybody else when it comes to social media without paying for anything? Like, have you, because you've taken no classes, I'm assuming, and you know a shitload about marketing online and how to build websites and stuff like that. Like what are the steps that people need to take who are just starting a business, right? Who were in your shoes and they knew nothing. Like what is the first step? Uh, first step is to go out there and actually uh, learn. I mean, if, you, if you're old school and you want to read a book, I mean, you can read a book, but honestly you have the entire internet in the palm of your hands on your phone. So there's no excuse to say, I don't know how to do it, you know? Uh, when I, whenever I'm confused at something minuscule, when I'm doing um, like a social media post or something like that, I'll immediately YouTube it mm -hmm. and I'll watch that YouTube video a hundred times until I can do it as best as I can, like all the way completed. You know, I will not stop watching that tutorial until I can do exactly like how he did it and create variations of it. You know, uh, when it comes down to social media marketing, it's um, I look at the I've always been like an analytical person growing up. And when I look at companies, especially when I'm scrolling on Facebook and I get like a uh, targeted ad, I'm like, I know why you're targeting me. I know because I looked up on Google on Safari uh -huh. uh, headbands for Nike headbands. And then uh, I sent a picture to my fiance about it. And now you're targeting me for Nike headbands. You know, it's pretty simple when it comes down to uh, targeting those ads. But when it comes to making logos or videos or any of that stuff, your best friend is YouTube. I mean, like in the uh, last podcast episode, um, how he talks about how he just watched YouTube video, uh, video tutorials because he didn't even know how to do it and he was able to do it. Uh, there really is no excuse. I mean, just if you want to watch videos, I mean, there's podcasts out there. I mean, there's YouTube channels I would recommend watching like full-time filmmaker. Uh, they're very amazing people and they do a lot of it for free. I mean, you, you don't have to buy, buy a course. I mean... I, I love free 99. That's my favorite price. You can learn everything yeah. on YouTube, dude. Yeah. Like, that's what I noticed. That people yeah. don't want to put that work in. They always go, oh, I don't know. And they give up. Yeah. Like, dude, take a few days. I mean, take a few hours or a few days and actually learn it. You can learn it, you can learn it all. Yeah. Yeah. You surprised me when we were talking about the website stuff and you're like, oh, I can build a website like quickly. And I'm like, yeah, right. I've paid people in the past and it takes them. We have one company. It's over a year. Yeah. Over a year, <laughs> the process is so long, yeah. right? It's so dragged out, right? Every little step. And with you, it's like, bam, yep. you know, three hours. And so that kind of stuff is extremely valuable for a lot of people. And I've talked to you about this in the past. Like, mm -hmm. hey, when we get to a certain point, we got to hire some people. We can start paying them, running ads, getting leads, yeah. upselling them, and outsourcing the work. And a lot of companies are doing that now with like Fiverr. You know, oh, Fiverr yeah. Fiverr is huge. And you can get your logo made. You can get videos done. You can get editing done anything you want on there for like pennies in the dollar mm -hmm. you know and so i'm sure a lot of those guys are probably in indonesia <laughs> oh yeah indonesia india china you know <laughs> i mean a lot of my friends in indonesia are graphic designers and they do fiverr 99 you designs you know and they make these super amazing logos you know but they're still poor because they're not hungry enough to go out and get clients yeah they're willing to settle yeah because it's really cheap on there right the work is ex extremely cheap so they're not making a lot of money oh uh, yeah i mean like it's like a hundred dollars for a logo design and a hundred dollars to them is like whoa that's a hundred dollars you know so they're, they're willing to just i'll take four hundred dollars and then just chill for the rest of the month you know yeah um, my one friend uh dia he created a marketing company in indonesia and had a whole team one team uh, one guy was dedicated to making the logos one guy was dedicated for the videos another guy was dedicated to edit the videos you know and it works it was like streamlined it was beautiful and he made a lot of money through that and this is my passion i love this you know yeah. so why not do something you love and make money out of it yeah dude that's the one thing about it when you find like what you love to do it doesn't even feel like work no, no. <clears throat> like it felt like every day we come here oh we love what we do so much that it doesn't feel like work yeah like, yeah yeah and i mean i think for people, and, and I'm talking to everybody out there, is like if, if you don't know what the hell you're doing and you don't have the time to invest into that, find somebody like a Daniel, 
right? That knows a little bit of everything and then just put them to work because if they're anything like you, they'll figure it out. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? They'll, they'll figure it out, which is awesome. And uh, yeah, man, like you, the, the story with your mom and everything, like we definitely going to do everything we can to help her, you know, get, get her over here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to go to Bali. Obviously. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I want to go to Indonesia. Nice place. Uh, I'm probably take my wife too. You can take your wife. Yeah. Yeah, I'll probably take my wife too. So, I'll take my my girlfriend too. Yeah. Well, I don't know if that. Can <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. We'll we'll find out. What's the Corona situation like right now in Bali? Are you able to go over there without the vaccine, or do you have to get the vaccine? Yeah, you're able to go there without the vaccine. They actually had a whole bunch of riots because of the vaccine, uh, because of COVID mandates and all that stuff, and they were just like, look, like none of us are dying like you say we're, we're dying you know like the the statistics aren't matching up and then became this huge thing and then you know like police brutality in america happened it kind of waved and rippled to every other country and in in indonesia the cops are very um what is it called crooked 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 cops you know <laughs> what is it called <laughs> you know they're not good people so you you mix that with the coronavirus and all the riots uh the president was kind of like okay he's like calm down you guys can fly here now so yeah you'll be fine yeah Shit. There's always a few crooked cops out there, I feel like. I think more than a few. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, really, man. No disrespect. Really. There's always there's a few that I definitely like and get along with, but for the most part, yeah. Not a very good experience. Yeah. Yeah, I've never had a good experience, honestly, with a, with a cop. It's because you're brown. Yeah, it is why. Yeah, and I got tattoos and, <laughs> yeah. Uh-oh, um, get them. Yeah, I've never had a warning in my life. Really? Ever. Wow. Mm-hmm. I had like six. I had a guy give me a ticket for a license plate light being out, and he pulled me over. I was in an old construction truck when yeah. I was younger, and I was in a really nice place in Sandy, <laughs> and it was like one in the morning, pulled me over for that, gave me a ticket, got out, the light worked. What? <laughs> it was a lie. <laughs> I was like, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. And he took my license and he'd get back. Oh, what? And, and I didn't realize that. I think he... I think he I think he didn't do it on purpose. I think yeah. he left it in his mm-hmm. car. I didn't realize that in the heat of the moment. And after that, I'm like, this motherfucker never gave me my license back. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I don't want to go into whole police bullshit right now, but <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying, you know, it's crazy. Yeah, but. It's, unfortunately, I feel like we all had our like fair share here. You know, it doesn't matter what country you're, you know, you're, you're from. Um, like, you know, I think I was like 17, 18 getting pulled over and I gave the cop my ID and he's like, oh, you're from Bosnia and Herzegovina. Oh, we're gonna have a we're gonna have a fun time here. I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? You know, <laughs> you have four cops, two right here, two over here. Get out of the car. They're like tapping on the car, and I'm like, what, 17, 18, maybe? I'm literally, I was driving to actually pick. It was like me, me and me and Tibor actually, and they kept giving him so much shit. You know, first of all, your name is Tibor. Automatically, you know, you're gonna think, what the hell? Where's this guy from? You know. They were just trying to accuse him, like, oh, you've been drinking, you've been drinking. I'm like, dude, we haven't been drinking. Like, we're actually just heading to go pick up my girlfriend, actually, because we, we, we were about to go ahead to a birthday party. Um, but it's unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. But over there in, in Indonesia, I'm sure you can just give them, like, a dollar or 50 cents and they'll leave you alone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in Bosnia, too, yeah. dude. Just give them money and they fuck off, there you go. know? <laughs> give them some cigarettes and they're out. Exactly, oh, dude. Oh, my God. I seen a video of this kid in Indonesia, a little fat kid. I, I'm pretty sure it's Indonesia. Maybe one of them. And he's like a chain smoker. He's like eight years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, that's normal over there? Like, they don't ID you or anything? It's like. No, no. That is insane. Let's go. Let's go, bro. <laughs> Let's it's a party, Let's dude. Let's go to Indonesia. <laughs> we got to get the broker set up first. What the hell is that smile about? <laughs> don't even worry about it. Okay, don't say any names. Don't even worry about it. Oh, okay. We're good. Is It is what it is, though? No, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. We'll talk after. Awesome, bro. Dude, I was well. Just, I was just lo- looking at my little doge. Oh, okay, that's what it was. That's good, too. That's I'm good like, news oh, too. shit. We've only been here half an hour, and I'm like, oh, it's kind of cool. Yeah, it's good news, too, man. Shit. Um, you got you to gotta have fun with it. Life's too short, man. It is too short. Dude, the reality show coming up. I know that you've been studying the types of, I don't know, cameras or lenses for sure. Yeah. Uh, different <clears throat> types of filming when it comes to position and angles and stuff like that. And how do you feel? You feel like you're ready? Yeah, I feel like yeah. I'm ready. I feel like we definitely need another cameraman, though. Yeah, but um, yeah. We, we have one, Mate. Mate, yeah, yeah we'll there, we go. there we go. Yeah, is he think he's ready? <sighs> no. Okay, get him ready. But he will be. Yeah, he but be. he will be. Get, will get be. him ready. Get him ready. With me as the teacher, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. you can't fail. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Get get, yeah. get him ready. Um, but dude, we're thank ready. you for for coming on. Right, we're happy to have you here. We tried to shoot one a while ago. Um, weren't able to. I think we had bullshit problems with this thing. Look at the mic. The mic broke right now. We got. I put tape on it. 
This is like supposed to be like the the, the top end shit, and it's it just blue. Yeah, I, we use it too much, right? Time to get a new one. Yeah. Well, the good thing is we're moving offices <clears throat> in what two weeks here, yeah. three. Yeah. So I think we should get a whole new setup. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get some nice new equipment. Yeah. Yeah. Get a fourth camera. Yep. Got to get a, a rotating camera. Oh to go around. Yeah. We have to get that in the office for sure. And that dynamic feel, you know. Yep. Yep. For sure. So that's gonna be good. But uh, big takeaway from this podcast number one. I think the biggest one is no matter what the fuck you're going through in life, right? There's always a way if you're persistent and you don't give up, you know, and sit there and be depressed, right? I know you shared with us before that you had some issues with depression. Yep. You know, we were younger and it looks like you're doing pretty good now. I hope I hope you are. Look, you, if yeah. not, you're doing a damn good job of hiding it. <laughs> yeah. If not, you look great. You're happy. <laughs> yeah. Every time I talk to you, you yeah. have a big smile on your face. Yeah. So, dude, thanks again for being here. Fucking badass story. Thank um, you. Thank can't you. wait for the reality show. We start filming here in about three weeks. Woo! Uh, I know it's going to be cool. Dude, Fil- I can't wait. Filming the whole Same. move, right? The whole process. I think that's going to be good for people to see that, especially those who are in real estate right now who are looking to start their own brokerage or get to the next level. They can see kind of how we're doing it and the struggles we go through because we're completely honest, uh-huh. full transparency all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, even right now with the broker, trying to find a good one, you know, but I know we'll get there in the next oh, few yeah, weeks. Oh, yeah, we will. Um, but, dude, thanks for coming on today. Thank awesome you. to have you. Thanks for being part of the team. Thank um, you. Alan, thanks for being here. Of course. And uh, we'll see you guys in the next one. I need to know everything. Who in the what and the where I need everything. Trust me, I hear what you're saying, but I like it's new what you're telling me. I'm curious, George, I hop in the Porsche, five and a horse, I'm ready for war.